Hey guys, it's JP. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you're a church leader, I want to make you aware of a conference we're doing here in Dallas at Watermark. We are constantly being asked, how do you reach young adults? How do you reach millennials? We don't have it all figured out. We have paid some dummy tax throughout the past 12 years that we would love to share with you. And so we are having a conference. It's here in Dallas, October 24th through the 25th. You can find out more information on that at theporch.live, theporch.live. It is a conference on reaching millennials or reaching young adults. We hope you will join us. Porch, how we doing? Come on, come on. It's great to be with you. We are continuing a series called First Comes Love. And I thought I'd start with uh, my proposal story, okay? How I propose. That's right. Ladies, lean in. Do that fast clap, you know? Uh, and, and so here it's, you know, prepare yourself. Here, uh, here is what was going on. I was dating a young lady named Monica. And, uh, and it was going places, so I thought. And, uh, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? She's, she's my best friend's sister, and I love her family. And I don't think, you know, breaking up's going to go well for me. So maybe I should get married. And, uh, and, and I was like, man, if you're going to get married, isn't that romantic? And if you're going to get married, you've got to buy a ring. In, in the United States of America, the way that we do this culturally is you buy a rock. And uh, I didn't know much about buying a rock, so I start kind of you know, brushing up on my diamond knowledge. And, and I decide, you know what, I don't know if we're going to get married next week, next month, next year. But sooner or later, I'm going to need a rock. And so I might as well pull the trigger on this. And so I'm going to buy an engagement ring. And so I go where everybody goes to buy an engagement ring. I go to eBay and, um, and I'm on eBay and I'm looking at the engagement rings and there's one that has, it says in the description, it's appraised for $23,000. And the next thing you could bid on this auction was $1,600. So I bid, that was about my budget. So I bid $1,600 and I just go on about my life. And then I go and check my email like a week later and it says, you won this auction. I'm like, what auction? Like, what, what did I win? Oh, crud. Uh, and so I call the guy. There's an 800 number. It's a reputable. He's got a good feedback rating, a reputable company in New York City. I call him. I'm like, hey, I won the auction. You know, I won the, the ring. He's like, oh, yeah, I can't sell you that. I'm like, no, it's a no-reserve auction. You have to. I, I want it. And he's like, no. And we go back and forth. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't sell me the ring. I won the ring. You've got to send it to me. It's a legal binding bid. Send me the ring. And I uh, wasn't a believer. I probably used some choice words. And, and, so, and so I just kind of, we get off the phone and I paid, I sent the money, you know, PayPal and all that. And, and I hear like something outside in my apartment complex and I open the door and, and my outdoor apartment complex, like in the outdoor hallway, they're sitting a little box and I'm like, they just left it outside, you know? And I get it and I open it up and I'm like, there's no way this thing's real. There it is, this beautiful little piece of ice, you know? It's, it's right there, sparkly and pretty and all. And I'm like, there's no way this thing's real. And so I go straight to the jewelry store, you know, and I, I give it to the jeweler. I'm like, hey, can you see if this thing's real? And he like hooks it up to some machine and he's like, yeah, it's real. And I'm like, hey, can you tell me what it's worth? 
And he's like, no, I need, to, you know, I need to send it off to do that. I'm like, what do they do to send it off? He says, it's the four C's. I'm like, well, what are the four C's? He says, well, they're going to look at the color, the cut, the clarity, and the carrot, how much it weighs. And, and that's what they're going to do to determine that it's worth. And I'm like, well, I don't have time for that. I put the ring in my pocket, and I had to wake up. My girl's graduating, and I'm like, I think I just got my graduation present, you know? I had... <laughs> I had some brand new golf clubs for her just in case, you know, a backup plan. She didn't even play golf, but uh, they, were, they were, I got a good deal on some women's golf clubs. And so I was like, all right, some golf clubs or an engagement ring. We go down there and, you know, I'm a, I'm a pagan idiot. If you know me, I'm not walking with Christ at this time. And we go down there and we party and I drink too much and almost get in a fight. And, and here's the deal I didn't propose by the grace of God. I did not pull that ring out of my pocket. Because if I would have pulled that ring out of my pocket, she would have said yes, and it would have been a disaster. It would have been a nightmare. In fact, there were a lot of people in our lives at that time saying, hey, you guys should break up two people specifically in our lives at that time and say, hey, you guys are a disaster. Manic highs, manic lows. You guys shouldn't be getting married. You shouldn't propose. Y'all shouldn't even be together. And so what I want to talk about for the next few minutes together is, ladies, how do you know he loves you? How do you know his love is genuine? One day you're going to care about the four C's of a rock, the color, cut, clarity, and carrot. I want to give you five C's to determine if a man's love is genuine. Five C's to inspect. Men, if you're here, don't tune out. This is five C's that you can know. And understand, are you at a place where you might pop the question, where you might drop the L-bomb? These are the questions that we're going to cover tonight is, how do you know if his love is genuine? Men, what does leading look like in dating? How do you know when it's time to pop the question? Or like I said, uh, say I love you. How do you know if you feel like there is, or, or I'm sorry, what do you do if you feel like there is no chemistry or no prospects to have chemistry with? And so girls, I know that I don't know if you know this, but you guys can be a little schizophrenic in what you want from us, okay? You, I'm, yeah. You're like, I want him to be strong, but gentle. I want him to be courageous, but sensitive, you know? I want him to be fun, but serious. How do you be fun and serious, you know? Give us a break. You want us fun or you want us serious? Who do you want, right? I've come to the conclusion that you don't know what you want. <laughs> and tonight I'm going to tell you what God wants for you. From the scriptures, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13. If you know anything about this, the Bible, this is the chapter on love. Paul's writing to a church in Corinth that has misunderstood what love is. So if you're in a place where you've misunderstood what love is, this letter's for you. And he's going to tell us plainly, hey, this is genuine love. And he says something a little later on that makes me think he's talking about the way a man should love. And so that's what we're talking about. How do you know if he loves you? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. This is a verse that's been often misunderstood. It's simply saying this. If someone comes and they says all the right things, because ladies, no offense, but sometimes you guys are suckers for just the right words. Like oh, a, a fella can, a guy can woo you with just, you know, a little bit of a game. Don't fall for that. 
And he's saying, hey, he comes in and he's, you know, winsome and he knows exactly what to say. And, and you're, he's saying, you know, lines that you tell all your friends are, are cheesy, but in reality, you go home and you feel so swooned. He said, hey, you, it doesn't mean he loves you. It could just be words. It could just be words. And then he says, it's like a gong. You know, it comes on fast and hard and heavy and, and you, you feel all these things. He's like, it's like, oh, but it fades. He gives us this picture of love. It's like this. It's loud and, and heavy and emotional and gone. It's, it's beginning to fade the second it starts. It will not last. You've got to look past the words. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but, ha- but, I, but do not have love, I am nothing. He may be really smart and wise and have a great job. He may have went to med school. He may have graduated summa cum laude. I don't know, right? But if the brother can't love you, keep going. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. He's saying something really key here. He might go to Haiti. He might serve the widows and the orphans. He might have memorized scripture. It doesn't mean he knows how to love you. You're going to have to inspect something else. So what do you inspect? We're going to go five C's. You ready? The first one, okay, is he cherishing Can he cherish you? This is the first C. Paul is going to continue to talk about genuine love. And he says in verse four, love is patient. Love is kind. What does it mean that love is patient? Despacito. That ain't what it means. That ain't what it means. Is Is he wait on you? Does he wait on you? Does he care for you? Is he constantly walking in front of you, hurrying off? Men, can you hear me? Lean in, brother. Chivalry's not dead. Okay, these are God's daughters, your sisters. You care for them. My dad used to tell me if I was ever with a girl, and he said, if you ever walk in this house first, you're going to go back outside and stay outside. (laughs) And, you know, that, that stayed with me, that you've got to care for them. That is your job. God made us different and he put you here to protect them and to care for them and to provide for them. And I know that gets lost in your modern culture and vernacular and the things that you're reading in the news, but don't forsake this ancient book of eternal truth. And ladies, I don't care if you're so hardcore and women's lib and you're on your own and you're independent. I know there's something deep down inside of you that wants this. You want a man to care for you. You want that. I know you do. I've, I've talked to a lot of you. So does he do this? Ladies, I got to tell you this, man. Some of you, you don't think you're worth this. And that's because you're getting your worth from somewhere other than Christ. God has made you in his image. He made them in the garden, male and female. And ladies, you wait for a guy who will cherish you. Men, listen. 
I get asked all the time, what if there's not chemistry? What if I'm not physically attracted? Listen, here's the simple question. Here's the answer. You ready? I'm going to answer it right now. Can you, men, I'm talking to you, men, can you cherish her for the rest of your life? Will you choose to cherish her, treat her like a princess, make her feel beautiful, make her the only object of your affection other than God? That she's the one you think about, that she's the one that you're coming home to joyfully. Can you do that? If you can, awesome. If you can't, then communicate clearly that you can't and that this is not going anywhere. Stop wasting time. 1 Peter 3 verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. It says to honor them as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so nothing will hinder your prayers. It says if you marry a girl you don't cherish, your prayers won't be answered. That, that's high stakes, man. If you marry a girl that you are not committed to cherishing, God ain't listening. And it's, it's a challenge, guys. It's not the work of boys. The reason I didn't propose by the grace of God is because I was a child. I was a little boy. This is not boys' work, 1 Peter 3, 7. Man, just this week in marriage. In fact, next week, my wife and I will celebrate 13 years of marriage. We've been married for 13 years. <laughs> Praise God. And I, I planned uh, an amazing anniversary trip with her. And so we, we, um, we're going to go to Mexico. I, I booked the resort. I paid for it. This is where we went on our honeymoon. And so I thought, hey, let's go back there. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. It gets closer. And she's like, I'm feeling uneasy about Mexico. I'm like, why? She's like, well, there's earthquakes. I'm like, that's somewhere else. She's like, well, there's hurricanes. There's Jose. There's Maria. I'm like, hey, those are, they're going other places. She's like, well, there's, you know, there's, they're, they're poisoning the alcohol. I'm like, you don't even drink. <laughs> what? <laughs> What's going on? Like, and, and here's what's going on. She just is uneasy. She's like, there's cartel violence. I'm like, I'll protect you. <laughs> and um, and you know, as it got closer, and we're leaving next week, what she's saying is, hey, I don't want to go to Mexico. And I, what I promised her 13 years ago is I'll put your interest in front of my own. I'll lay down my life to serve you. And so in those disagreements, there's the question I gotta ask is how can I serve her? So I called and I canceled. So where do you wanna go? Let's go somewhere you wanna go. Let's go somewhere there's no earthquakes or hurricanes and cartel, poisoned alcohol for those that <laughs> do that, you know? How can I put her interest in front of my own? An easy way to know if a guy's patient and kind He's going to cherish you. It's the physical stuff, man. It's the physical stuff. Because here's the deal. Like, if he likes you, then when he's with you, his body is going crazy and he wants you. You know, like, naturally in his flesh, he desires all of you. That's how God made us. God made us. And if that man restrains that, then you know he's communicating something beautiful to you. Do not mis mistake that. Ladies, especially those of you that have came Christians uh, recently, 
You know, a lot of times when you come from immoral relationships, you're like, does this guy even like me? Like, he doesn't touch me. And that's a good thing. Okay, do not mistake that as a bad thing. That's a good thing. You're not, he's, you're not his, that's why he's not touching you. You're God's daughter, that's why he's not touching you. And so you put that in the positive category. This man is patient, he's restraining his natural carnal urges for you. And if he doesn't, he's communicating something really clearly. It's, it's a really clear communication. He's saying, hey, I do not honor marriage. And I'm committed to being physical outside of marriage. And in fact, if I marry you, I will go outside that marriage because I don't honor marriage. He's also communicating something else. I don't fear God. I'm not afraid of God. I know that 1 Thessalonians rather, 4 verse 6 says that we're not to be sexually immoral. And it says that, that if we are, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. And he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm not afraid that you're God's daughter. I'm gonna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. I'm not patient with you. I'm not cherishing you. Boyfriends do not get husband privileges. You hear me? Boyfriends do not get husband privileges. And so ladies, does he cherish you? Men, can you commit to cherishing her? Second C, as we're inspecting his love, is it real, is it genuine? The second C is, is, is he confident, not conceited? The one that comes from the scripture is the one conceited. Conceited is excessive pride in oneself. Conceited is a fake version of confidence. Conceited, or conceit rather, is the cubic zirconium of diamonds. It's not real, okay? You're gonna have to really lift this one up, hold it to the light, and expect it closely. Is it confidence that comes from trusting a huge God, that God is in control and sovereign over his life and has a plan and a purpose for him and is taking him somewhere? Is it that kind of Christ-centered confidence, or is it conceited that says, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's about me. Look, I'm gifted, I'm fast, I'm cute. You know, I got a good job and a fast car. Look at me. Right? Is it conceit or is it confidence? And you have to be able to dif- discern the difference. Conceit says, look at me. And Christ's confident man says, look at him. His life says, look at him. Confidence comes from trusting a big God. Conceit comes from feeding a big ego. A man who is stuck on himself has no regard for God. You went to high school with this guy, right? The, the arrogant guy. You know, remember the arrogant guy? I remember the arrogant guy so well. And, and what was frustrating about him, he was constantly stuck on himself. He, he walked around like a peacock, you know. He had the bright red convertible car, and I'm not angry. And, um, <laughs> and, and what really frustrated me then, and a little bit now, is he always had the beautiful girlfriend. In fact, he would jump from one beautiful girlfriend to the next beautiful girlfriend. He would treat them like trash. And you're sitting there and you're scratching your head. I mean, am I alone in this? You always wonder why the jerk, arrogant guy ends up with the, the sweet, pretty girl, right? Here's why. Because she's also conceited. And that's why she goes with him, because he's an accessory to her. And she's making an exchange. She's okay if he treats her like trash because she thinks that she deserves that guy. And so she's spending a lot of time putting on the makeup, a lot of time in the mirror. She's also vain. Vain people find vain people. It's just the way it works. And that's, that's the answer to why do they end, with, end up with the jerk? Because there's vanity there too. There's vanity there too. With genuine love, with genuine 
love. Selfishness turns to service and even sacrifice. With genuine love, selfishness turns to service and even sacrifice. And so if you sense, ladies, that he loves himself more than anything else, run as fast as you can. You are looking for someone who loves Jesus more than you. That is, more than he loves you and more than you do. And so, ladies, if God has your heart, if God truly has your heart, you woke up this morning thinking about creator God and his sacrifice through his son, Jesus Christ. If that's what marks your life, this man is gonna have to go to God for your heart. And to go to God for your heart is going to take Christ-centered confidence. But if he's conceited, he's not gonna be able to see God past himself. He's gonna be too focused on him. Do not believe the lies of the world that you want a guy like that. You do not. That will make a miserable marriage. So the next C is controlled. Is he controlled? Number three, is he controlled? Controlled by the spirit. Does he walk around with a chip on his shoulder from the baggage from his father or his ex-girlfriend or his upbringing or a job loss or his boss? Is he just angry? Paul says in verse five, this kind of love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Anybody here know an angry scorekeeper? They're walking around with a tablet on their heart and they're just writing down all the people who have hurt them and they walk around and they, they're hurt and they don't understand the forgiveness of Christ because they haven't forgiven others. There's no joy in their life. And if there is, it can quickly turn back to anger. They're explosive and volatile. And maybe you're like, well, he's not that way with me. That's because you're interviewing or he's interviewing, right? You're right, he, he's not that way with you. He's interviewing but if he's that way with others, it's going to be that way at you sooner than you think. It's going to happen if that sort of explosive anger, rage, a lack of reconciliation, if that marks his life. It says here in this text, does not, this love does not envy and it always trusts. If he's jealous, and controlling, constantly overbearing. This comes from a lack of trust. The reason he has that lack of trust is because he's not trustworthy. Speak from experience right now. The reason he doesn't trust you is because he doesn't trust himself. And it's not the controlled by the spirit that we see in the scripture. But let me, let me hit a little disclaimer here. Because every now and then, I'll talk to girls and they're like, yeah, he's so jealous. You know, like my best friend's a boy and a, a guy. And, you know, yeah, he calls me all the time and texts me late at night. He just texts me good night every night. No big deal. You know, yeah, my best friend's a guy. But he's so jealous. That's weird. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you something that really unpopular? No, and don't, uh, you'd be tempted to be angry at this. You are not meant to have a best friend that's the opposite sex. You hear me? I'm serving some of you really well right now. Okay? You were not meant to have a best friend who is the opposite sex. God didn't make us that way. Someone's heart is always drifting. And if you don't think so, you're being naive. Most likely you're feeling an emotional void with that friendship. And you don't even realize it. Maybe it's some subconscious. But you were not made. You never saw Jesus do this, right? And man, Jesus, where's Jesus? Oh, he's just hanging out on the boat with Mary, you know? 
just catching fish, flirting, friendationship, it's all good. That, that, that's not cool, man. Like, that's not right. There's something wrong with that. Some of you are so uncomfortable right now. But I'm telling you, that wasn't the way, it doesn't match up with God's design. Man and women were meant to come together. That's God's design. And usually a heart is drifting whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not. And that's a red flag. So it says here, to go back to that text, it says it keeps no records of wrongs. Is he keeping score? You don't want to marry an angry scorekeeper. Guys, if you're bitter all the time, you got to get help, man. I mean, just get help. We're here for you. We love you. We want to help you heal. I've seen some really angry, uh, vengeful guys find healing in Christ. We can help you. Just, just come up and ask for help, you know, if that's you. Because here's the deal, man. Kids are going to come into the picture. That dude is going to be the disciplinarian. He's going to be spanking your babies. You don't want an angry man spanking your babies. I mean, you're not just interviewing for the role of husband. You're interviewing for the role of father. And you don't want to take those daddy wounds and just pass them on like a tall gene or something else, right? You want them to stop with you. You want that to die with you. And that takes work. It takes a man. It says, hey, I'm up for it. I'm, I've got to, I, there's some undoing that needs to happen in my heart and in my life. I've got to find some healing. I need help. We'll help you. You're not alone. The fourth C is a clear conscience. Does he have a clear conscience? Paul's going to say in verse 6, is he, you know, is he cleansed by the truth? And then he says this other thing, that this love that he's talking about, it does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. So it doesn't delight in evil. Some of us are entertained by the things that Christ died for, which is not okay, right? Some of you men here, you regularly invite satanic influences in your life by what you listen to, what you watch, what you say, and what you look at. Every day on the regular, weekly, you're saying, hey, Satan, come and influence my heart and my mind. And you're so taken away from it. You're so far down the current of culture in this. You don't even realize what you're dancing to, what you're bobbing your head to. You don't even realize that, that the show that you can't miss is satanic in nature. That it's the things that cost Christ his life. That it's evil and wicked and that it's influencing your heart and it's training you to look for all the wrong things so that it will keep you single and desperate and discontent and, and depressed. Nobody wants to be depressed, but so many people pursue depression by what they feed their minds and their hearts, what they listen to, what they watch, what they look at, what they say. There's a... There's like in a diamond, you can buy a cloudy diamond on the cheap. Like if it's not bright and shiny, um, it's called included, inclusions. And there are coal deposits in the diamond that make it cloudy, make the sun not bounce through it. And uh, in the same way, if someone has evil influences in their life, their mind and their heart gets cloudy. They're, they're influencing you and leading you with a cloudy heart. 
And it's, it's going to have a, a greater impact than anyone could imagine. And again, I say this from experience. There's evil that a guy participates in that will cloud his thinking. And so what, what are some things? I mean, I just, like, if, if you're drinking on the regular, like, if you're getting drunk, on the, if you look past this weekend and you're the party guy, you're the weekend warrior, like, you can't wait to get to the bar, you got your drink of choice, like, you're probably a future alcoholic. I mean, that's just kind of the way that works. You're becoming something. You don't realize that the, the fun that you're having now is costing you something later. It's probably costing you now too. So this is something to inspect, right? If, um, if he likes to get physical now, he's probably gonna be unfaithful later. He's communicating something to you. He, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be physical outside of marriage. I don't hold marriage sacred. And so you, you gotta know and understand that. And then this is a big one. I want you to lean in for this one. If he looks at pornography now, you're not going to satisfy that man. It's not an addiction to sex. It's an addiction to variety. No, no porn addict. I've talked to thousands, literally thousands. No porn addict looks at the same picture over and over and over and over and over. You're training your brain not for monogamy, but for polygamy or polyamory for variety and and no woman here is going to satisfy that man it's an impossible sensational appetite and brother listen I know right now you feel so awkward you know in the past six months maybe in the past six weeks and maybe in the past six hours you've looked at porn you need to get help you won't you will not heal from this thing on your own listen I've done cocaine I've done ecstasy, I smoked weed every day for a long season. I've never been addicted to anything or gripped by anything like pornography. I thought I'd look at porn for the rest of my life. You, you got to get help. And it's work, it's not, I'm not talking about a phone call or one confession's gonna heal you. It's work. Show up every Monday night here, 6.30 at Regent. Listen, let me make this really clear. I'm gonna make it binary for you so you can just kind of put yourself in mind. If you've looked at pornography in the past six months, I wanna see you here this Monday at 6.30 and get help. It's, it's, it, you gotta, I'm done, you're done with it. That, that thing is ruining your marriage long before you've met your prospect. And it's, it, you know, ladies, if you feel like guys aren't attracted to you or they're only like a certain kind of girl or no one's asking you out and you want to blame something, blame porn. Blame sin, blame Satan, blame pornography. It's a big reason. If that's your journey, I want to tell you I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know when you were exposed to it. I don't know when it started. I don't know when you looked at the first image. I know it comes now through your phone and through the internet. And Man, I know what it's costing you. You may not. I, I do. I know oh too well what it's costing you. And I'm, I'm so sorry that you set foot on that path. It is time to get off. It is time to step off that road, to end that journey, and to get healing. For the sake of your children, for the sake of your, your wife, for the sake of your children's children. We need to spend more time rejoicing with the truth than delighting in evil. And some of you, you spend more time listening to trash, watching trash, and looking at trash than you do in God's word. And it's no wonder that your mind is trashed. 
It's no wonder. It's just, it's a simple math problem. I get this email every single week. It's the same email. I put it in a category. And so if you're listening, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of you. It, it, it kind of starts out, hey, JP, I need some relationship advice. It's complicated. It's always complicated, you know. That's the first paragraph. And, and then it goes into these crazy nuance, you know, like, listen, you know, I like the beach and he likes the mountains and, you know, this and that. And I'm this theology and I have this background and this whatever. And then it gets into, you know, the third paragraph is usually, and, and lately, like, we've been physical. And once I thought I was pregnant and this happened and now this. And, you know, and I, or I, he's looking at pornography and, you know, this is where we're at. And that, that third paragraph is usually the kind of the climax of the problem that's happening. And then the, the fourth paragraph is usually, what do I do? And I always want to respond, you know, with just a, a simple two words, break up. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't. But I want to. Because it's what you need to do. And so I can be pastoral in my words and I can put some flowery language around it. But in reality, you're not married <laughs> And so you have the benefit of the ability to end a relationship that's not God-honoring. And what you need to do is you need to break up and you need to get healing. And if you guys, your path crosses your believers later on, praise God for that. But there's something so much bigger than your relationship, your idolatrous relationship. There's another relationship that's so much more important. In fact, this whole book, like if this whole book is about a relationship, the part that's about men and women, it's about that much. The rest of it, that much of it, it's about another relationship, one much more important. Some of our lives don't say that. Some of us hadn't talked to him in a long time. Some of us hadn't spent, you know, an hour reading this book in a long time. Some of you, you never have, not in your entire life. Can I suggest a reprioritization? Make an investment in the marriage that you don't have today and begin to put God first, make Christ ultimate. If your conscience is clear, however, because we just talked about breaking up, if your conscience is clear, then it should lead to a commitment. And that's the fifth C, is he committed. Does commitment mark his life? In verse seven, Paul is gonna use the word always a lot. Verse seven, this kind of love Paul talks about, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Ladies, listen, if he's constantly trying to change you, he's not committed to you, he's committed to what he thinks he might be able to make you. Marriage is not a strategy on changing someone. You don't marry somebody hoping they're gonna become someone else. You marry them with all their weird idiosyncrasies, their messiness, their uncleanliness. In fact, I remember I, I dated a girl before Monica and, and um. And she would always go to my mom and just like, he's so messy, you know, because I am. And he's so disorganized and, and gross, you know, and, and, um, and, and we broke up. And, uh, and then I started dating Monica. And my mom would be like, does it bother you that he's messy? And she's like, eh, nah, it doesn't bother me. And, and my mom said at that moment, she knew Monica was the one for me because she wasn't trying to make me somebody else. She was gonna live with my craziness since she has for 13 years pray for her and um, she wasn't trying to make me somewhere else and so I, I'll turn that because usually it's guys trying to change somebody stop it you, you've got a lot of options if you want someone else choose someone else 
If you want the person that you're with, then embrace who God made them. I'm not talking about their sin struggles, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about like that, that the, the Lord's not gonna sanctify them, but don't make that your hope, right? Like if, if they don't change, you're not gonna love them forever. That's not commitment. I mean, I gotta talk to you about something before we wrap up. Um, a huge part of being committed is communication. Men, I need you to hear me on this one. I need you to communicate clearly. Communicate where this is going, what you hope in, what you trust, what you're persevering in. What leading looks like in dating is communicating. It looks like certainly abstaining from the physical, that's a real test of leadership. But the other aspect of leading in dating is communicating well. Because fellas, let me tell you something. Girls wonder about everything. They wonder when you're gonna call back and what you're thinking and where this is going and are we even in a relationship and does he like me and when's he gonna uh, call me again and where's he gonna take me? They just wonder all the time. And so if you wanna lead in a relationship, listen, leaders remove confusion. Let me say it again. Leaders remove confusion. Don't let her wonder because you're clearly communicating. Men, listen, if you like her, Say, I like you. <laughs> if you, listen, 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 because it gets better. If you want to go out with her, say, I'd like to take you out. Guys say, I, I, like, I'm like, I go ask her out. They say, well, I don't know how. Go up to her. <laughs> look her in the eyes. And like a man, you say, I would love to take you out. It makes you vulnerable. She may say no. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Tomorrow's going to come. It's going to be great. Okay, it's all, all's going to be okay. You're going to grow through it. But you look her in the eyes and you say, I would love to take you on a date. What I didn't say is, is messenger on Facebook or, or, or uh, poke her, whatever that means, you know. <laughs> Never do that. Uh, or, or, or listen or text her. It's like I tell my four-year-old, who grunts and moans and whines a lot, I say, listen, Weston, listen, use your words. Use your words, men. God gave you vocal cords. Speak. Communicate clearly. Tell her where this is going. Listen, I know some of you men, you're looking at me like, like you want me to do what? You want me to speak to her? It's going to be really important in marriage. Listen, your marriage is gonna be defined so much more by the way you communicate than all the physical stuff. I know that's crazy and mind-blowing right now. And know that's crazy. But listen, the physical stuff is not gonna ruin your marriage. Communication will. A healthy marriage is much more contingent on the way you communicate than how often you're having sex or being intimate. Trust me, all you can do is trust me right now. But one day, one by one, you will come back and say, you were right, JP. God was right when you were reading that. At one time I was, uh, I was we went to Austin, a uh, uh, friend and I, and, um, and you know, was, we were partying there and we weren't walking with Christ. And we were coming back and he was playing this dumb game where he wasn't putting his hand, he was driving, but he wasn't driving. He would put his hands down. And I'm in the passenger seat. And I'm like, dude, hold on to the steering wheel. You know, we're driving down I-35. I'm like, drive the car. 
And, uh, and he, he's like, what, drive this car? I'm like, hey, it's not funny. Drive the car, man. Like, put your hand, 10 and 2 right now. Come on. And um, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when someone's not committed to going somewhere. Man, do you hear me? Like, let her know where you're going. Drive. Put your hands, 10 and 2. And say, okay, hey, this is where I want you to know. This is what I'm thinking. This is how I feel about it. If you're like, well, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Take some time and get with God and journal so that you can tell her, hey, this is what's going on. Is he committed? Is he committed to communicating clearly? Is he committed to Christ? Is he committed to the right things? Here's why, guys, why I would say drive somewhere. Because you're dating. And can I tell you a little secret? Dating is awful. Like if you think of singleness, dating, and marriage, dating is by far the least fun. By far. Like singleness, 1 Corinthians 7, singleness, Matthew 19, singleness, like singleness for the sake of the kingdom, it's awesome. Like you can jump on the train, you can go to, train, does anybody take the train? You can, <laughs> I don't know. You can, uh, you can go to Africa, don't take the train. Uh, you, you can go to Haiti, you know, you can, you can go to Europe, backpack through Europe, like you're single, man, there's so much things you can do. You can risk your life for the sake of the kingdom when you're single in ways you can't when you're married. But when you're dating, like it's, it's the interview, you know, it's, it's not fun. Who likes the interview? Like you go and you put on your power tie and you walk in and you present yourself and you're all vulnerable and then you go home and you're like, are they going to call me back? I don't know. They said they would. I don't know. You know, it's like, where's it going? Hey, did you hear back from them? I haven't yet, but they said that. And you're just sitting in this vulnerable spot. That's dating. Like it's fun. Like when you get the job, that's fun. Okay, now, okay, we're, we're committed to each other. That, now we got something. Dating is awful. Like, like, stop believing the world. Like, it's a new category. It's not even in here. You know, we, we invented it just to punish ourselves. <laughs> right? It's not fun. And so get the show on the road. Like, I'm a huge fan of dating for a little while, short engagements, get married, have babies, make disciples. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's like marriage, marriage is buying, dating is shopping, dating without the intentions of marriage is shopping with no money. And what's going to happen when you shop with no money, you're going to leave frustrated or you're going to take something that didn't belong to you. But those are the only two outcomes. So the only reason that we date is because God gave us the gift of marriage. And we're trying to get there. If you don't want to be married, don't date. Be single for the sake of the kingdom. If you're like, ah, I don't really want to be married right now, cool, then you don't want to date right now. Because the only reason we date is to get married. All right, I've meddled. What I need some of you guys to hear tonight, and I say this with a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart, because I love you. In the same way I want to respond to that email, break up. What I need some of you to hear tonight is grow up. Stop being a boy. It's time to become a man. Paul says this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. 
And so ladies, boys might be fun for a date, but they make miserable husbands. You need a man. You need a 5C man. A man who will love you like God has called him to love you. One who will cherish you, who's not conceited but committed. One who's going to care for you like this passage says. And so some of you, you're like, well, where, where are they? I mean, they're, they're, I don't know any men like that, you know? They, do they exist? Let me show you something, okay? Here, here's a little chart, okay? Uh, there are 3.72 billion men. 3.72 billion. 3.72 billion, that's what that represents. Of those men, guys who are 20 to 35 and single, so porch goers, right? Porch going age, 20 to 35 and single, there's 312 million of those men. Of the 312 who are 20 to 35 and single, of those men, 31% call themselves Christians. It's about 101 million. Of that number that calls themselves Christians, by our very best estimate, 30 million of them are following Jesus. 30 million of them are running hard after Christ. 30 million of them are 5C men. And so the bad news is there's only 30 million. The good news is there's 30 million. 30 million. But you've got to weed through the 3.72 billion. How are you going to do that? Five C's. All right. Can he cherish me? Is he conceited? Is he controlled by God's spirit? Does he have a clear conscience? And is he committed to the right things? And, and you might be like, man, I just feel like nobody's asking me out, like I'm being overlooked, that guys only are attracted to a certain kind of girl and you're tempted to be despair that there's no good guys and you feel like you know, you've been left behind, lots of you nodding your head, like yes, that's how I feel. Listen, thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that he's kept away all those others that are, are not attracted to the things that God's attracted to. That has so much more to do with a man's maturity than anything else. And so don't despair. Thank God that he's protected you from marrying somebody whose heart he does not have yet. And, and use your singleness to go back and listen to that message from a few weeks ago. It's not super practical, the five C's. You're like, how do I, but how do I know? Like, do I ask him on the first date? Hey, can I, will you cherish me? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, date number one, are you committed to this? Um, I wouldn't do that. Here's how you know. It's a bonus, see. It's his life built on Christ. If his life is built on Christ, then you're gonna know it. Like another thing that girls will say is like, when do I tell him that I'm saving myself for marriage? Or, you know, how do I know if he's this guy? I'm like, man, way before the first date. Like, I wouldn't spend any time with anybody who you do not know that their life is built on Christ. Because you know what? Here's what happened, guys. <laughs> I didn't propose by the grace of God on that day when we went to Waco. What happened is I came back to Dallas and someone invited me to a church. I, man, I was so consumed myself, narcissistic. I was a mess. But I stumbled into a church 
And, and I began to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that my pornography addiction, my cocaine use, my partying, my drinking, my clubbing, my abuse of women, that Jesus died for that. It was this amazing message that captivated my heart, that God sent his son, that he loved me so much that he gave his Weston, his Jesus to die for my sins and he defeated death. He raised him from the dead and my heart got around that message that I didn't have to pay for my sins because someone else did. That was great news to me. I submitted my life to that Christ. I said, Jesus, listen, I don't wanna drive anymore. I've driven in and out of bad relationships. I've driven to destruction. I've driven, driven to addiction. I've driven to hurts, habits, and hangups. Jesus, you drive. You created the world, you made me, you gave me purpose, you drive. And what happened is he came in my life like a flood, like a hurricane, and he began to turn things upside down. He began to deal with that addiction. He began to deal with the hurts, the habits, the hangups. He introduced healing and he changed me from the inside out. The physical stuff between Monica and I was done. We sat down, said, hey, I don't think we should do that anymore. She said, I've been telling you that. I'm so sorry, you have. I haven't been listening. I've been doing what I wanted to do. I haven't been patient or cherishing. I've been self-centered and conceited. Will you forgive me? I'm committed to pursuing Christ with you. He's changed my life. We started going to church together. That was our new date. He changed everything. And you know what happened? I realized dating wasn't very fun. I'm like, hey man, like dating's like, all the challenges of marriage and none of the benefits. I was sitting at dinner with her and, and another couple that said a year before that there's no way we should even get married, much less date or anything. And I got down on one knee and I handed her a rock because our lives were built on the rock of Jesus Christ. We had been talking about Jesus we had been celebrating Jesus. We had been sitting at that table with that other couple talking about all the things that Jesus had done in our lives, how he had healed us and what he had done. So I got on a knee and I handed her a rock because our lives were built on the rock. And that couple that said we shouldn't be dating a year earlier, they stood up and they applauded and the rest of the restaurant applauded and our friends and our family applauded that love. And that's what you're looking for. That's what you want. If you're here and you want to be married, you inspect the five C's. Let me pray that you would. God, we know that what matters most is not the rock that we exchange, but the rock our life is built on. And so God, would you help my friends here tonight even tonight, starting tonight for some of them, build their life on the one you sent to pay for their sins. God, would you heal the marriage that hasn't even begun? Would you heal the hearts of husbands and wives that haven't even met? God, would you work to restore what the enemy has sought to destroy? And Father, would you help these men cherish women to be confident in you, not conceited. To be controlled by your Holy Spirit. To have a clear conscience that rejoices in the truth, not delighting in evil. And help them to be committed to the right things. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.